Hi, and welcome to the Vine Community Church Podcast. We hope that what you're about to hear will help you to flourish in God's grace and bear fruit through loving God, loving each other, and loving our community. I'm Mark Pugh. I'm one of the pastors here at the Vine, and uh, it's a pleasure to be with you guys this morning to, to go through God's Word together. If you're online, thank you for participating with us this morning. As we continue our sermon series in Genesis, we're actually in chapter 3 today. Um, So, you know, I I don't know about you guys, but I I don't remember my dreams really well. Like, I think I have a lot of dreams, most nights probably, but I just don't remember. But there's this one dream that I remember, like, kind of, it's the most common dream that I have. And where it starts is, I'm in school, and I don't have any clothes on. <laughs> yeah, it, yeah, it's kind of a brutal situation going on here. You're trying to cover yourself up. You're looking for a place to hide. I've had the same dream in a business conference. I've had the same dream in like a department store. It's awful. People are laughing at you, and you feel vulnerable. <laughs> So why is it? Why is this a common dream? Why do so many of us have these kind of dreams? And I think we're going to see in our passage this morning, it's going to help explain a little bit about why we feel vulnerable and why we try to cover ourselves up. You know, this passage, it really does uh, explain so much of the suffering and issues that we see around us. This, this passage is going to help us see the cultural problems, the things like busyness, the things, the, the struggles in our marriage, the difficulties with raising kids and adult kids, the difficulties with wealth. All these things can tie back to this passage. So if you guys would, let's, let's read it. It's chapter 3 in Genesis. It's verses 1 to 13. <clears throat> now the serpent was more crafty than any other beast of the field that the Lord God had made. He said to the woman, Did God actually say you shall not eat of any tree in the garden? And the woman said to the serpent, We may eat of the fruit of the trees in the garden, but God said, You shall not eat of the fruit of the tree that is in the midst of the garden, neither shall you touch it, lest you die. But the serpent said to the woman, You will not surely die. For God knows that when you eat of it, your eyes will be opened and you will be like God, knowing good and evil. So when the woman saw that the tree was good for food and that it was a delight to the eyes and that the tree was to be desired to make one wise, she took of it fruit and she ate. She also gave some to her husband who was with her and he ate. Then the eyes of both were opened and they knew that they were naked. They sewed fig leaves together and made themselves loincloths. And they heard the sound of the Lord God walking in the garden of the cool of the day. And the man and his wife hid themselves from the presence of the Lord God among the trees of the garden. But the Lord God called to the man and said to him, Where are you? And he said, Well, I heard the sound of you in the garden, and I was afraid because I was naked and I hid myself. He said, Who told you you were naked? Have you eaten of the tree which I commanded you not to eat? And the man said, The woman whom you gave to be with me, she gave me 
fruit of the tree, and I ate. Then the Lord God said to the woman, well, what is this you have done? And the woman said, the, the serpent deceived me, and I ate. I think we're going to see today, again, this passage, it, it helps us see that it's because of our sin that we feel naked and vulnerable, and we feel like we need to try to cover up. Amen. A uh, little context before we get going. That's always important. So again, we're looking at chapter 3, and this is a commonly referred to passage as the fall. The fall of mankind. This is where mankind through Adam chose to sin with their free will, and now that sin nature is passed on to all of us. In chapter 1, we saw the big picture story of God creating all things. And then in chapter 2, we see him start to focus on man and woman and their, their roles in the kingdom. And all was good. We see in our, our passage today, chapter 3, that it ties back to chapter 2, verses 16, specifically 16 to 25. Um, and I, I think it's really important is, is we want to understand properly the meaning of a passage that we would look around the passage we're at. So looking back to chapter 2 is kind of important while you're in chapter 3, maybe even looking forward a bit. So we're going we're gonna to spend a little time looking at a couple of verses from chapter 2 as we go. So how did our sin first happen? Well, we see right away, Adam and Eve, they're tempted by a serpent. It says, now the serpent was more crafty than any other beast of the field that the Lord God had made. He said to the woman, did God actually say, you shall not eat of any tree in the garden? So who, who is this serpent? The serpent is the devil. This word crafty here, it, it means cunning and focused on evil treachery. We see this as Satan, and we know from John 8, verse 44, that Satan is the father of lies. He is a liar. Satan is he's trying to show Adam and Eve that they are missing out. He's trying to present to them that they can have more power, that they can be more like God. Satan's telling them they just need more, and he does that to us, too. It's like he's saying, uh, you know, it's kind of really restricted you from the delights of this place. Like, that doesn't really sound like somebody who is good and kind that they would do that. There must be some sort of mistake here. See, Satan is the deceiver, and he twists truths. And he tries to confuse us and mislead us. And what's a little bit unfortunate here, I don't know if you're like me, but I tend to not be able to zero in on what he's up to. I don't notice that he's tempted me a lot of times because I'm zeroed in on what I got to do, what's right in front of me. And so I miss out on understanding these temptations. I, I miss out on what the Apostle Paul says in Ephesians 6, 12, where he says, <clears throat> For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the cosmic powers over this present darkness, against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly places. So there's, there's really no reason for us to put our trust and belief in Jesus, and then we don't believe that the devil is real. You know, it, it could really help all of us. Could help us if we were to be a little more diligent with praying and saying, Holy Spirit, help me. 
Help me see when I'm being tempted by sin. So what else do we see in this passage that, that led Adam and Eve to sin? And, and the next thing is that they twisted God's word. We see this in verse 2 and 3. It says, the, the woman said to the serpent, We may eat of the fruit of the trees in the garden. But God said, You shall not eat of the fruit of the tree that is in the midst of the garden. Neither shall you touch it, lest you die. So if you just kind of skimmed over this passage, you wouldn't notice a whole lot. You probably wouldn't notice that Eve's statement was really close to what God said, but not exactly what he said. And we see that in, in chapter 2, verses 15 to 17. And again, why this, this error kind of doesn't seem that big a deal. It's a little bit minor, but it still shows our propensity to just distort God's word a little bit, to make a point, to distort his word, to, to live the way we want to live. Because you know, Eve is saying that God wouldn't even let him touch the fruit. That's not what God said. And then the devil keeps tempting. In verse 4 and 5, we see the, the servant said, Oh, well, you will not surely die. Well, later on in uh, 2 Corinthians, the, the Apostle Paul talks about in verse uh, 11, 3, chapter 11, 3, says, I, I'm afraid that as the serpent deceived Eve by his cunning, your thoughts will be led astray from a sincere and pure devotion of Christ. You know, so being devoted to Christ is the best defense of the devil. The best defense against his lies is God's word. It's knowing God's word as truth. That's part of why memorizing scripture is so valuable to us. So that we can actually live our lives like God intended us to be free, rather than we so often live our lives as a slave. We're a slave, we're tempted, we do the things that we don't want to do. And we do them over and over. You know, additionally, we see Adam and Eve, they were willing to disobey. You know, like us, the, the foundation of all sin is really our desire to be independent of God. That mankind in general does not want to be dependent upon anyone. We want to go our own way. We want to... We want to be our own masters. And as a consequence of that, we sin. And so many times, we just don't even think about what God has for us. We think about that we know best. We forget what Isaiah, the prophet Isaiah says in, in chapter 55, 9. He says, for as the heavens are higher than the earth, <clears throat> so are my ways higher than your ways, and my thoughts than your thoughts. Finally, we see our first our sin first happen because the appeal of the fruit was overwhelming. In verse 6, we see that, that Eve saw and it was a delight to her eyes. You know, we're, we're enticed by things. It's like the fruit's kind of like that, that great job that you might get that's going to bring you a lot of money or, or the ability to be with somebody that you were so attracted to. It's this need to be respected, to be approved of, to be heard. We believe that if we could just have this, this one thing, if we just have this one thing, all will be great. But it won't be. We see a, a hard passage from, from James in chapter 1. This is Jesus' brother. He says, 
13 to 15, chapter 1, James says, Let no one say when he is tempted, I am being tempted by God. For God cannot be tempted with evil, and he himself tempts no one. But each person is tempted when he is lured and enticed by his own desire. Then desire, when it has conceived, gives birth to sin, and sin, when it is fully grown, brings forth death. So God never tempts us. But we need Jesus to defeat Satan. You really need to hear this. Yeah, we can't do it on our own. Even Peter, the apostle Peter, needed Jesus to pray for him, to give him strength so that his faith wouldn't fail him as Satan sifted him like wheat in Luke 22. You know, it's, this comes from our own desires, our own broken desires from this fallen world where we tend to trust our heart. Our broken and sinful heart, we tend to trust it above all things. And this is the heart that is just so longing to be loved, but yet we don't really trust God that he loves us and he'll take care of us. There's this beautiful passage in Psalm, Psalm 23. A lot of people know this. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. Do we believe that? I shall not want. Do we trust God? Do we that that, that He's going to provide all that we need? And this passage would imply that, that we, we might struggle with that. So we see how our sin first started. Well, what were the results of our sin? The first thing is our, our sin makes us feel naked and vulnerable. Verse uh, 7 to 10 is chapter 3. Um, reads out, then the eyes of both were open, and they knew that they were naked. They sewed fig leaves together and made themselves loincloths. And they heard the sound of the Lord God walking in the garden in the cool of the day. And the man and his wife hid themselves from the presence of the Lord God among the trees of the garden. But the Lord God called to the man and said to him, Where are you? And he said, Well, I heard the sound of you in the garden. I was afraid because I was naked and I hid myself. So again, context, we look back at chapter 2, and we realize, hey, wait a minute, they were fine being naked in chapter 2. So, so something's changed. We see that in Genesis 2.25. <clears throat> so let, let's, let's think about this for a second. You know, I, I know there are a lot of little kids, little children, they love to run around naked. Like their best days, take that diaper off and they're gone, they're yelling, Freedom! Willie Wallace, we love it. We had to admit, we're a little bit jealous, like we're watching that unfold, going, I don't feel that free. I, I, I feel a little bit vulnerable. So in verse 9 here, when God is asking, Where are you? There's this, there's this great statement from Christian author Paul Tripp says this is one of the saddest stories recorded in the Bible because Adam and Eve were created to live in the most beautiful relationship anyone could ever have in intimate communion with God where they were with him and had no regret or fear but in this shocking moment we find them hiding from God. Something has gone very wrong. Instead of longing to once again be with God, they are afraid to be seen by him. Sin had entered the world, 
and the guilt and fear of sin caused them to hide. God, God knew where Adam was at. I think God wanted Adam to admit what was going on. It was an invitation for Adam to repent. So I think God is just too loving to let Adam and Eve sit and hide in their sin. Just like we can't hide from God in our sin. And this reminds me when I was a kid. and <clears throat> My mom, would, um, I was downstairs, she'd be upstairs, my bedroom's upstairs, and she'd come downstairs, she'd go, hey, have you had a bath yet? And I'd be like, uh, why are you asking that? You can kind of see I'm in my clothes from the day. But my mom, she was a pretty bright woman, right? She knew I hadn't taken a bath. She was just looking for a response from me. In our passage, Adam and Eve, they lost their innocence. They lost their intimacy with God. They, they used to be transparent with God and transparent with each other. But now they were exposed. They were feeling vulnerable and they're trying to hide from God. I, I can't imagine how awful, how terrible that feeling must have been in that moment. Now, I think we will do most anything right now to avoid that feeling, to avoid feeling naked and vulnerable. So we try to cover ourselves up. But before we, before we dive into covering ourselves up, let's, let's spend just a, a minute longer on verse 9. As we look at well, why did God first ask Adam and not Eve about the fruit? So it was Eve that she was the one that ate the fruit. She was the one that first disobeyed, so why not start with her? And I think this is important. It's important for us to understand as families and roles that we have here. Um, an interesting note is uh, Eve wasn't created in chapter 2 when God uh, made his statement about the garden. But I think a, a more important uh, piece of information is that Eve was not in a position of authority that Adam was. Adam had been appointed to be the representative for all of mankind, and that woman had come from him. And so it's his sin nature that is passed on to all of us. And additionally, we can see here that in verse 6, Adam, he was with her. So while Eve, she chose to sin while being deceived by the devil, Adam chose to rebel against God's word by listening to his wife instead of God. Adam used his free will to choose to sin. He had failed to carry out the responsibilities that we saw laid out for him in chapter 2. That he was supposed to keep and, and guard and care for the garden and the woman. You know, this passage shows that God's designed us to be image bearers, but, but yet it's difficult. It's become difficult because of sin. As men, we are to care for and lead our families, but it has become harder. So not only has our sin caused us to feel naked and vulnerable, our sin causes us to try to cover ourselves up. In our passage, we see this in, in verse 7, that Adam and Eve were immediately trying to cover their nakedness. They sewed fig leaves together and made loincloths. See, when we try to cover ourselves up, we're, we so often we damage our ability to be viewed as a healthy image bearer because we're no, we're no longer imitating him. We, we're showing others that we trust ourselves rather than trusting Christ. 
And over the last couple weeks, Pastor Tim, he's, he's told us that God gave mankind a part to play in his kingdom to come. And that we're told that we were to take care of it, we were to subdue it, we were to, to multiply. But this morning's passage again says that our choices, our choices have just made that harder. And unfortunately, a lot of times we do damage, our sin does damage to other image bearers. This impacts God's kingdom. It impacts everything that we do. And we see this unfold in verses 11 to 13. In 11, he says, he said, who, who told you that you were naked? Have you eaten of the tree of which I commanded you not to eat? And the man said, well, the woman you gave to be with me. She gave me the fruit I ate. Then the Lord God said to the woman, well, what is this that you've done? And the woman said, the serpent deceived me. And I think. So when we don't get what we want, or when we caught, we get caught doing something we're not supposed to do, we, we struggle. And this isn't something that we're taught. We're, we're born with this. We're born into this selfish condition, and this passage helps explain that. God asked Adam if he ate the fruit, and Adam gives an answer that a lot of us would give, and he blames someone else. I mean, it's a funny little verse there. He actually is blaming God, saying, well, it's the woman you gave me that made me do it. See, Adam, he was feeling born. And so he was trying to cover up. Think about our kids. I know Ron and I never taught either one of our kids how to throw a fit. But they're naturally gifted at it. They all are. You know, they're feeling vulnerable. They don't get what they want. They feel vulnerable. So they throw a fit. They cover up. Adam and Eve, in our passage, they had lost their righteousness. They had lost their right standing with God. They lost their acceptance. They lost their purity. They were, they were now feeling small. Don't we all have that feeling at times? That feeling of inadequacy? Where we have this desire that we, that we need to, to cover up. When we realize we're, we're not really like that toddler. We're no longer free. We're no longer confident. You know, in this passage... We, we see we lost our greatness in Genesis 3. It explains our sense of loss right now and how we're unacceptable, why we're vulnerable, and how come we want to control what other people say about us, how they view us. This comes from our own heart, our own desire to be our own masters. And it does not lead to freedom. I think we can be very creative and how we try to cover ourselves up. You know, there's oftentimes we tell a little subtle mistruth. Or we tell a little white lie. I, I, I think about uh, a sales pitch. And you need to close this deal. <clears throat> your commission is based on it. And you need to provide for your family. And this is kind of a hard thing. We need to get this done. I, I can remember back when I was working, there would be moments where I'm thinking, if we don't close this deal, somebody's losing their so you feel vulnerable, and you might have a tendency to say something that's not quite right. We need to be transparent, to be really known. But deep down inside, I think we're all a little bit scared, 
that if people really know everything about us, they won't really love us. We work really hard for our worth. We, we just want to be loved in these fig leaves that, that, that we try to make cover us up. Well, they're not that great of a cover-up. Jesus is the best cover-up. Because he covers up our sin and he gives us his righteousness. You know, there's, there's no free freedom in us covering ourselves up, but letting Christ's righteousness cover us up, that's very free. Our works won't get the job done. And this brings us to our final point where we see that it's, it is, it's just, it's Jesus. It's Jesus that, that covers us and he takes away our feeling of being naked and vulnerable and you know, Adam and Eve, they demonstrate very well what every false religion in the world tries to do. People are trying to be right with one another. They're trying to be right with the culture. They're trying to be right with God. And they're doing it for their own human efforts. They live by the mantra of do versus proclaiming that it's done. It's done. This work of covering us up, it's done. These, these fig leaves... Apparently, they have a very prickly quality to them, which would make for some pretty itchy coverings, right? So covering ourselves up, just like these fig leaves, that being silly. It's foolish. We can't do it. Now, we can try, like we've already talked about, but what we really need is a Savior. We need Jesus. And fortunately, we see in just a few verses past ours, that Jesus does cover us. He covers up his people. We see that in Genesis 3.21. And the Lord God made for Adam and for his wife garments of skins and clothed them. And then in Romans chapter 4, we see Paul talking about this. He says, again, we see that Jesus covers our sins. Blessed are those whose lawless deeds are forgiven and whose sins are covered. See, Jesus, he, he loves his people. He loves his people so much. He led a perfect life. And he was willing to die on the cross for us. He was willing to take the punishment that we so deserved to take our wrath upon himself and to give us his right standing with God. You know, unlike Eve, Jesus, he didn't submit to the devil's temptation. Unlike Adam, he didn't choose sin over what God would have for him. What he chose was to atone our sin. To honor the covenant that God had made with us to be our people. He chose to cover us up and give us his righteousness. And we see this beautifully unfold in the Garden of Gethsemane. We see this in Matthew 26, 40 to 42. And it says, uh, and he came to the disciples and found them sleeping. And he, Jesus, said to Peter, so you cannot watch with me for one hour? Watch and pray that you may not enter into temptation. The spirit indeed is willing, but the flesh is weak. And again, for the second time, he went away and he prayed. He said, my father, if this cannot pass unless I drink it, your will be done. And then shortly afterward, Jesus drank the wrath that we deserved. And he uttered this just beautiful phrase, saying, it is finished. 
It is finished. The price is paid in, in full. The price to redeem man from the bondage of sin, and from, from Satan, it's redeemed. Because of the precious blood of the Lamb, some 2,000 years ago, this was paid so that now we don't have to hide from God. And we don't have to hide from each other. We don't have to hide our sin from each other. See, being vulnerable is a very important part of our faith journey. He's given us, each other, as a means of grace for one another to help care for each other, to help love one another, to help point us back to Jesus so that we can understand what that looks like rather than trying to figure out how to cover ourselves up on our own. You know, one of the purposes of corporate worship, corporate worship where we come together like we are today and, and, uh, and we go to church together, it, it's to remind us that hiding, trying to hide our sin and our vulnerability from God, it, it, it's spiritual insanity. That's silly. You know, this is the day of the week that we ought to boldly come in and be very transparent. Be transparent with one another, be transparent for God because we've been given an unbelievable gift of grace that God has redeemed us. So we don't have to act like a slave. We don't have to hide. We can be free. So, you know, as we as we come together, as those that are in Christ's family come together and enjoy this communion meal together, we do so often. Just encourage us to remember this. You know, we can see from our story that thousands of years ago, we broke relationship with Christ, with, with, with God over food. We broke that relationship. And now we get to come together as a family, even though we're broken. Together, we get to come together and celebrate over food this promise that God has made to us. And later on, we're going to be able to see He's going to clothe us, He's going to take care of us. And then when we get fully restored and fully redeemed, we're going to be taking the bread and the wine again, celebrating. So, you know, the Bible instructs us to, to prepare our hearts for this meal. This is this should be a spiritual moment to us. And so I want to encourage us to do that now, to, to really calm our hearts down and to, to be quiet. And so we've got a couple of questions that I wanted you to just consider as we prepare our hearts for communion and, and prep for whatever, however the Lord might lead you. So these, these questions you can see and why what? In what ways do you hide your sin from God? And who in your life are you vulnerable with? Who points you back to Jesus? So I'm going to pray, and then um, we're going to begin our communion meal after we're quiet for a minute. Let me pray, Lord. Thank you. Thank you for this opportunity to be, to be still, to be heard by you, to remember it's, it's in Christ alone. Lord, help us. Help us be drawn near to you right now to encourage us and be renewed in your faith. Thanks so much for joining us for this podcast. For more information, you can visit us online at thevinecc.com, download our mobile app, or visit us on Facebook or Instagram at thevinecc. Have a great week.